Welcome back to another episode of Touring the AFC South, sponsored by Manscaped. If you don't know what Manscaped is, manscaped.com. You can get 20% off on manscaped.com with the uh, the free uh, the promo code AFC South. That is AFC South. 20% off at manscaped.com plus free shipping with the promo code. I know, you know, it's Black Friday, Christmas shopping. I know you want to go ahead and get that discount for that, for that loved one, uh, somebody you want to, you know, to give them a hint with some other stuff. I don't know what you, whatever you want to do with it, it's 20% off with the promo code AFC South plus free shipping. Got to go out there and go get that. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll save you some money and save you some time. How about that? But, uh, you know, of course, uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about a big matchup in the AFC South. That is the Jacksonville Jaguars heading to Houston to take on the upstart Houston Texans, who are 6-4. and four. I don't think anybody thought we'd be saying that at this point in the season. But I have Jacksonville.com's uh, Demetrius Harvey. What's going on, man? Nothing much. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Now, before we get into that matchup, of course, I open every show with the Get Off Your Chest segment. This episode, I want to talk about Clarissa Thompson. No, I don't want to talk about her reporting on the Amazon Prime and the show she's on and all those different things. No, it's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is her appearance on a podcast where she talked about she couldn't get in touch with coaches or getting couldn't catch coaches on the sideline, so she made up the report or an educated guess, I think, as she went back and tried to say. Honestly, in reporting, that gets you in trouble, or it should get you in trouble. But as we see right now, Clarissa Thompson is still there smiling. She released a little statement afterwards, and really Amazon Prime has done nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, you know, I know if I was in school and I was doing a paper or something like that, and I just made up something on a, a report about a book, I'd probably be in trouble about it. I would probably fail the test. But apparently in journalism or in this type of journalism situation, she can go ahead and create a whole thing and get praised for it. Or even or even have Aaron Andrews talk about it and say, you know, oh, I've done that too, or something to try to back her up. And I'm like, Okay, Aaron Andrews, this is the one you need to sit out. This ain't the one you need to talk about. But basically, you've got this whole thing going on. And to me, you know, if this was a Pam Oliver, if this was a, let's see, Taylor Rokes, this was a Christina Pink, I don't think this would go down like this. I think this would still be talked about. By the way, this happened uh, about a week or so ago. And I just wanted to watch and see what happened. And of course, it just disappeared. Not a lot of people are talking about it on media anymore at all. And I just like to think that, you know, if Christina Pink or Taylor Taylor Rooks or a Pam Oliver did this, it would still be talked about, let alone they might not be employed anymore. So basically to me, and I, I'm talking to media, I'm talking to Clarissa Thompson, I'm talking to Aaron Andrews, do better. Do better. You should have got the consequence that you with this, but unfortunately, I guess they didn't want to give you the consequence with it. But you should have got a consequence with this one, because that is not journalism. That is creating a narrative or a story, or basically, you're you're being a uh, a creative creative uh, licensing author on the sideline, creating a whole story. That's not reporting. 
So I, I just had to say something about that. That that still bothers me that it just disappeared and no one's talking about it. Mm -hmm. And you got people saying that, well, why are they down there talking to coach anyway? Because that's their job. That's their job. That's what they signed up for. If they didn't want to do it, didn't want to ask the tough questions, or didn't want to bother the coach, then they should not have signed up for that job. I mean, it, you got anything to add, Demetrius? Yeah, I mean, I, I've you know we could we can go on and on about this topic. I think you know I, you know obviously the first time I saw it, I was just I, I thought there there's no way this has to be fake or or she has more context and and no she she basically doubled down on it and and that I think that's the most frustrating thing. Um, she talked about how sometimes coaches would just, you know, basically ignore them and, you know, continue on. They're not doing their sideline thing because technically the coach, I guess, doesn't have to um, perform those duties. It's just well known that that's what happens and that's what they should do. Um, and, you know, it, in, in my opinion, if you have the time, you, you know, you got to think they're there well before the game starts. They're there, you know, during the production meetings. You have plenty of information you know, say the coach tells you before the production meeting that, hey, you know, you they need to make sure that they're good on third down. Then after, if the coach blows you off, you can say, you know, prior to the game or, or, or just, you know, they came in wanting to do this and they haven't been able to do it. You can do a bunch of stuff with that, with that sort of knowledge. So for her to say and basically be, I mean, to me, that sounds very lazy for her to be very lazy and say, hey, he ignored me. So I'm just going to make something up. You know, even if it is, you know, innocuous, I'm using air quotes, you know, and, and for, for her to say, yeah, they got to do better on third down, say they're one of 10 or something in the first half somehow, you know, yeah, they have to do better on third down. Um, even that to me is just a shame because, you know, yeah, it might be something that's probably something the coach might say, but the fact that he didn't, it, it, you know, and, and to me, I feel like if I did that um, in my, in, in journalism, you know, in print, if I had written, you know, hey, Doug Peterson said blah, 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 and I have quotes and everything, and he's never said that, and I got caught, I, I deserve to be fired. I deserve to be done and, and out of the out of the job, not respected. Um, it doesn't matter how small it is. Uh, you just don't. It's it's like a um, – it's something that you really just do not do in journalism, and it's, it's just a shame. It, it puts a, a black spot on it because, you know, also with, with the people that you mentioned would probably not get away with it. I also think that – uh, it hurts their their you know duties too because if they're silent reporters now, you know everybody thinks it's a joke. Everyone thinks, oh, did she make it up too? You know, and so all of that, all of that combined, just just it leaves me you know almost speechless, but not I guess. But um, yeah, it it sucks, and and the fact that Amazon didn't come out with a statement or anything, I, you know, there's a game on right now. Um, as we're recording this, Miami and 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 the Jets. I don't know if she's doing that game or what. She what is. I don't know. I'm assuming that that one was factual. But the fact that we even can talk about that is 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 a, is a shame. And you know, it is what it is. It sounds like you know all the media pretty much that one day of outrage, and then all right, wash away. And and you know, we're we're, su we're in such a 24 hour news cycle nowadays that you know, it just it, it's it's just a shame. I'll say this. Uh, I believe Jim Trotter wrote something about this in the athletics. Yeah. So he, he definitely pointed it out and, and, and called it out. Um, but the thing I, I would say is it's uh, it, it makes me question the journalistic integrity of mm -hmm. Clarissa Thompson and then Aaron Andrews coming right behind her trying to say something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why? Why? This is not your moment to talk. <laughs> I think you need to just be quiet and let it go. But that's yeah. just my thoughts on it. That's you gave your thoughts on it. And, you know, 
it is what it is. I'm going to continue to keep out a lookout on this because that to me, foolishness, foolishness, and so much foolishness. And by the way, Taylor Rooks actually is the sideline quarter, I believe, during mm-hmm. these games while Clarissa Thompson is up there in the, the booth area or whatever. So, yeah, so this that ought to be. I, I wonder what that conversation went like between those two. I just, wonder. yeah, I I just wish more would come out and talk. Honestly, I wish like NFL people would come out and talk about it, or or, or someone was asked about it. I I just wish it was it was out there, and she shouldn't be able to get away with it as easily as it seems she has. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But. We're going to, you know, uh, we, that was a very important topic to talk about, of course, but we're going to kind of move forward to the meat and potatoes of this show, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, I got to say, it's been a uh, very interesting two weeks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, of course, uh, they host the 49ers and that doesn't go well. And then the next week they host the Titans and it goes very well. So the question I have for you is, you know, within those two games, which is kind of the more real version of the Jacksonville Jaguars between those two games? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that we're still trying to all figure out. I mean, really, it's it. it I'm going to lean toward the, the Titans game, if only because we we've seen their history. We've seen you know they're seven and three for a reason. It wasn't easy to get there. They did beat the Bills, and I know the Bills aren't quite the same team they they were last year or what they were expected to be whatever um but at that time i think the bills were three and one so you know it's it's a situation where i thought i think that the jags have played well um in key games this year they they've they, they've done their they've 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 exceeded expectations for for some because i think that a lot of people you know maybe came in here with doubts like and eh, they were nine and eight you know maybe they're not going to do that well but they started off hot as their best start since I think 99. So, I mean, it, it's it's a situation where you're, you can't take too much from the loss to the 49ers, even though it feels like it. You know, immediately after that game, even some reporters I know were like, whoa, you know, what's going on? Is Trevor actually the guy? Are the Jaguars frauds? Is it blah, blah, blah. The fan base is going crazy. You know, Trevor Lawrence is bad, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you get the Titans game the next week and everything's back to being good. I think there's something in the middle. Um, and, and because we're so week to week, we just latch on to whatever happened last. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think I think the Jags are a good team. They're, they're a young team. And I think that that stands out in a game against the 49ers where they're just – they've been in that same system and that same defense and that same offense for five years. Um, you know, they're a veteran team. You know, yeah, they went on a little skid, um, but for them to come out of the bye week, it wasn't a surprise that all of a sudden they're they're back to where they started, you know, 5-0 and they started, I think it was, or maybe 6-0. and um, You know, so, it, yeah, 5-0. and So, you know, it, it's it's a situation where, you know, that, that 49ers team was already good. We just kind of downplayed it a little bit because of that skid they had, the three-game uh, losing streak, and then they went on bye, so you out of sight, out of mind. So for a month, no one really cared. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think that it, it, it wasn't as bad as it looked against the 49ers in terms of like, is that the Jaguars? And I do think that what they showed against the Titans is something that, um, not only something that we haven't seen necessarily this year, cause the offense played very well, but also, um, it's a situation where at least now, you know, and, and, and you can see that they can beat the teams that they probably should beat. So yeah, it's just, it's a little bit in the middle, but, um, I really don't gravitate toward that 49ers game as much as maybe other people do. 
Gotcha. Okay. Now, one person that has always been uh, that was, was talked about a lot this this off season, and now is kind of he's kind of been up and down too, kind of like the team in some instances. That'd be Calvin Ridley. Now he's had three 100 yard games this season. Of course, last game nine receptions, 103 yards, two touchdowns against the Titans. Six games of 40 yards or less receiving this year. I mean, what can you kind of make of his season so far? It's it's interesting because there there's a couple of reasons, and I think that um, I think we lose sight of the first one, which is to me he missed two years of basically football, and then he came back, and you know all of a sudden the expectations are all the way up here. You know, he comes back in the first game, he has 100 yards, a touchdown, so you know your your expectations are just skyrocketing, you know, by then, and, and you're you're expecting him to uh, you know tear it up, 1400 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to get there, but I mean, look, he's he's already at you know I think five hundred and 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 seventy something yards, you know, four touchdowns, uh, forty two catches. I'm looking at stats now, and so you know it's it, it's he has had his down moments, and a lot of it to me, from what I can see and and what from talking to the players and the coaches, um, it really feels like it it just boils down to maybe. They want to move him around a little bit more than they had been. Um, just sticking him at the one spot. He's normally their X. Um, and then moving him around to play the Z position a little bit more. Um, that's helped. And and not having or having, I guess, Zay Jones is another thing that helps. You know, I don't know if you've seen his stats with Zay Jones and then without Zay Jones, but it's funny because, you know, he's he's done very well with Zay Jones, which has only been a few games, and then he's done you know, average to below average in terms of production um, without Zay Jones. And, and I think that, that that does impact it in terms of taking away responsibilities for the defense, you know, taking away eyes on Calvin Ridley. Now you have to worry about Zay Jones. Um, and it's nothing against guys like Tim, Tim Jones that came in to fill in or Elijah Cooks, who's a rookie, or even Jamal Agnew, who's now hurt, but he was filling in a little bit too. Um, but those guys just aren't Zay. They're not six foot um, – three or, or, or six foot two whatever 220 pounds whatever Zay is he's a big guy he's a he's a he's a player that that you you have on the field because he has that speed too I mean there, there's just so much to his game that adds to the Jaguars offense which in turn can add to Calvin Ridley so I mean to, to, to boil it all down I feel like he's had about you know about a, a, what a, what I would have expected uh coming in about that season um you know, but yeah, you do want him, especially if you think that he's a potential number one wide receiver, you want him to be able to dominate. And I think that what they're doing now or what they did against Tennessee, at least moving him around a little bit, bunching the players up, letting him run crossers underneath over the top. Um, you know, I think that those are the type of things that can really get the most out of Calvin Ridley. And maybe you'll see that as the season goes on. But, but yeah, he's you know, about as expected. Uh, there's been a couple games where you're like, what's going on? That New Orleans game is one of them. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, other than that, I, I do think that he's been he's been pretty solid, and especially with the other guy on the field with him. Now, basically, so basically what you said today is uh, mm-hmm. that he needs Bruce Leroy on the field to have, yeah. to be, to have the glow. And if yeah. Bruce Leroy is on the field with the glow, then he can go ahead and do, his, do all the things, you know, things he does, so. You know, for those who don't know, you know, I, I like I mentioned every time I talk about him, just take a look at Zay Jones and then can put his picture beside Bruce Leroy. If you don't know who Bruce Leroy, Leroy is, Mary Goyd's Last Dragon, it's a 1980s movie. Go check it out. You'll get what I'm talking about there. But, um, you know, I got to move on to one other topic. 
that has been mentioned. It's been mentioned a little bit. I kind of thought about it too, but uh, it's uh, Trevon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Now, Trevon Walker has this is his stats for his career right now. It's only been he hadn't even completed two years, so just keep that in mind as well. Seven and a half sacks total, one interception, and seventy-five total tackles. Now, keep in mind also that he's playing outside linebacker in a three-four. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is playing defensive end. He's got 15 total sacks, four interceptions, and 86 total tackles. Now, there are some people that are saying, you know, wondering if Jacksonville may have a bit of buyer's remorse. Now, you know, based off of what you just, you know, heard me talk about with the stats, mm -hmm. do you think there's a little bit of buyer's remorse in Jacksonville and not getting Aiden Hutchinson instead of Trevon Walker? So um, I'll say this. There's buyer's remorse in terms of like the fan base and there's buyer's remorse, maybe even from the media who maybe care a little bit too much. Um, but there's no buyer's remorse from Jacksonville. And I, I can say that unless they're lying, I can say that with 100 percent certainty, they love Trayvon. They want him to do more in the past game. I think that they they they're not they're not ignorant to that. You know, they know that he could be more productive there and, and maybe they maybe they're at fault for some of it for not putting his hand in the dirt more. Or not, you know, playing him a little bit inside some, not giving him the opportunities maybe to excel in those ways, which he had, he had done at Georgia. Um, but they don't, they don't have buyer's remorse in, in that sense. And or at least I know Trent Baalke doesn't. And and it's because a or it's because Trayvon impacts the game in different ways from from his perspective. You know, the run game, and, and I can't deny that either. He impacts the game against the run far better than Aiden Hutchinson does. You know, he takes up double teams. He, he gets, he, he, he has to, you know, maneuver. And now is that perfect? Is he the best run defender in the, in the NFL? No. And is he a number one pick in terms of, you know, can you see why he was the number one pick? Honestly, not really. But that, that's not a knock against him as a person or a player. It's just where he was drafted. He can't, he can't, you know, um, he can't control where where he's selected, um, but he would start, in my opinion, for almost any team. Um, it's just a matter of when you think about the what you take at that one number one spot. You don't take a really good run defender who can rush the passer. Some you take a guy who can rush the passer, get after it, impact plays every single third down. You're counting on him. You're, you're like, wow, well, there there goes Trayvon on that third and five or third and eight because they had to be in a passing situation, you know, um, but that's not the guy that he is right now. Whereas on the flip side, Aiden Hutchinson has shown that he can be and, and sometimes is that guy. You know, he hasn't had the sacks all year, but he's had the pressures. He has far more pressures than, than Trayvon, according to all the metrics. Um, you know, he's impacting the passer in different ways. Uh, they, they move him around a lot in Detroit, which is good for him and, and the team. So, yeah, you know, just to boil it all all the way down and, and sort of re-answer your question, I don't think that there's any buyer's remorse in Jacksonville um, in terms of the organization, but there definitely is from the fan base. I think the fan base really wants to see a lot more from Trayvon because, you know, you you kind of hone in, and, and, and I'm the same way. I hone in a little bit on the pass rush just because you're taking number one. I mean, that's, that's a spot you need, and they're a team that desperately needs to keep impacting the quarterback uh, from the edges because the inside just isn't getting it done right now. Yeah, it's definitely interesting that they haven't moved him around a little bit more. I, I thought they mm -hmm. would do that a little more in terms of moving him to the five technique. Uh, I thought so, too. Other things. And then also in the pass rush, I thought what they could have done is they could put Chase on on the outside, move mm -hmm. uh, 
move uh, Walker inside, and then of course you have your Josh Allen and whoever else you want to put in there too. So mm-hmm. you know that's this is my thinking, but you know of course you know I'm a former defensive player in college, and I didn't play in the NFL. So there we go. I'm just it's my thinking, <laughs> trying to you know I guess trying to think of a few things to make them a little bit more active. But you know that's enough uh, talking about the Jaguars and kind of where they are right now. But we do have to talk about the game coming up. That is the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans. We're going to do that and more after this commercial break. On tour in the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. A shift. A shift is something that happens and changes the dynamics. And that's what happened when Garrett Logistics was born. After 10 years as a sales pro in the logistics world of sporting goods, John Garrett decided to pivot to the world of freight and start a brokerage. So you're saying to yourself, why trust Garrett Logistics? Well, Garrett Logistics helps shippers improve overall workflow, along with increased on-time pickup and delivery percentages. Last-minute loads, multi-drop pickups, and more are part of the services with Garrett Logistics. They're available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. All times Central Standard Time. So give them a ring at 615-400-8484. That's 615 615- Four zero zero eight four eight four, or you can email them at john at garrettlogistics.co or visit their website at garrettlogistics.co Garrett Logistics where the motto is it's not just freight to us it's your business all right and we are back and we're going to talk a little Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans now for those that don't remember, in September, the Houston Texans came to Jacksonville. People didn't expect them to win this game. They expected Jacksonville to come out there, do their thing, and, and more more of a assert dominance in the AFC South. Well, what happened was it was 37 to 17 the final score, and Houston Texans were pretty much in control of the entire game. Now, of course, one player that uh, I mean, I, I, before we get into that. Uh, how surprising was that loss in September to the Houston Texans at home to you? It was, I mean, it was a, the biggest shocker you could expect because the Texans obviously last year, I mean, they didn't they didn't do anything. They, 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 there's a reason why they had such a high draft pick in the first place. I think they originally were selecting number two or three or, you know, they, they were already up. Number three. Yeah, exactly. So, so they were already, you know, a terrible team, you know, just by record and, and by what they had. And, you know, it's only the third game for CJ Stroud. And by that point, it hadn't been obvious that he was going to be the guy that he is right now. So going in, I thought there's no way that, you know, this Jags team had just lost a heartbreaking, probably in their minds, or uh, lost to the, to the Kansas city chiefs in week two. Um, I know that they were very excited for that game because there was a replay of the chiefs game in the locker room. Um, it was just happened to be on NFL Network during the time we were able to go in the locker room. All of the defensive players, or at least most of them, were like huddled up, kind of watching the game, doing like their own little commentary, kind of just joking around. But like at the same time, I think that they were getting really hyped for that game. So they, they went in there, got let down. So I thought for sure they were going to come out firing the next week because they're mad. You know, when you get a mad team, usually uh, good things happen for that team, but it didn't. It just, it was, it was the biggest shocker. All three phases um, just collapsed. It just wasn't a great game at all for them. Uh, it, it's it was a rare and and it was an eye opener, obviously, because they went on to win five straight. So, yeah, definitely was a 
was an interesting game indeed. I, I, I kept looking back at the score. I was like, am I seeing this right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I was just kind of shocked myself. But, you know, of course, one thing, one person that shocked a lot of people and has shocked a lot of people with his uh, play so far, that would be Mr. C.J. Stroud. Now, mm-hmm. of course, in that game, he, has, he was 20 for 30, 280 yards and two touchdowns. He's currently at 17 touchdowns and five interceptions. He had a three mm-hmm. interception game last week. With, but, of course, still fought through it and won the game. Um, you know, he's in some MVP talk for some people. You know, I, I will say that too. I, I think that's maybe a little bit kind of, you know, a little bit much, maybe. But, you know, hey, if they keep winning and they win this division and he plays well, you never mm-hmm. know what could happen. Uh, but what kind of impressed you about him when you were able to watch him and see him? I, I think the biggest thing is he doesn't, he doesn't crumble when things aren't going right. And I think that that's the biggest thing. You, 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 for a rookie quarterback, you want to confuse him. You want to make it so that his first read's not there, and he's sitting there like, "Wait, what's going on?" In college, this was always open. Uh, you want him to think in in that way, and it it doesn't matter. It seems like just watching him as the weeks have gone on, and and then that week too. You know, it seemed like it didn't matter. He was going to find the spot, and um, you know, he took advantage of things that the Jags really did. I mean. That game was very much a, you know, the Jags lost it just as much as the Texans won it just because the, the Jags, they busted two coverages, which led to touchdowns. So that's 14 points. And you let a fullback of all players, you know, take it. I, I forgot how long it was, 70-something yards maybe for a touchdown. Uh, the yeah, heaviest player. That was crazy. That was yeah, crazy. The, <laughs> yeah, the heaviest, the heaviest player ever to take a a, 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 a kickoff back. It's just, you know – Everything that could have went wrong, and usually, and I don't want to harp on the special teams too much, but they had a block, they they had a missed field goal, they had a field goal that was blocked. Um, you know, those are not that's not what you expect. You, you expect the special team to sort of be a wash every game, or you know, a positive or whatever, or maybe a small negative. You don't expect them to just fail and cause you know all of that mayhem themselves um you know the defense played terribly the offense played terribly but back to cj stroud you know he was able to take advantage of a couple of things that the that the te- that the jaguars showed you know they they busted a couple of coverages he he got it to take Dell tank Dell. um he got it to uh, i forgot i'm blanking on his name he, there was another Nico player collins. Who, yeah uh, yep collins he got it to him so you know th- he was able to play to what the jaguars gave him which was a lot so i think that that's sort of where it's at um, and, and that was where I, I thought he would be. I thought he's a smart quarterback. He's a guy that um, can handle pressure clearly. They had four out of five uh, offensive linemen out, and he didn't get sacked once that game. Um, that's an indictment on the Jaguars' defense, but also um, a kudos to C.J. Stroud for getting the ball out and for the offensive game plan. I just thought it was a you know well-called game, perfect you know perfect spot for Stroud to be in, and you know, now you see where he's on, where he's at now. So. Right. I mean, it's going to be interesting just to see, uh, you know, how things go. But in your opinion, you know, since you mentioned the Jaguars defense, what's the number one thing they do need to do to kind of slow him down? They have to affect him. They have to they have to get after. And I know I just talked about how he's not impacted too much, but but they really need to get after him. They have to confuse him. They have to disguise some coverages because he's going to find the open spot in the in in the zones, you know, um, he has a couple of really smart wide receivers. Even Tank Dell as a rookie has been, you know, really impressive, especially lately. I feel like his route running has gone, gotten better. But they need to have pressure. That, that was the one thing on defense, especially 
they did not get done last time, which was affecting the quarterback with with pass rush, with rushing four. Um, you you just have to be able to play it uh, in, in 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 a better way than they did before. You know, the the Texans like to use a lot of max protections, six man protections, things like that. Um, you're going to have to sort of dial it back. Maybe you don't blitz on those downs because there's no point. And so you just play coverage and, and hope that he he doesn't pick you apart and hope that you confuse him enough to lead to turnovers. But yeah, that, that's what it's going to take. And, and, you know, shutting down, shutting down the run game is, is kind of a given with the Jaguars defense right now. They're, they're very good run, run defense, but um, just shutting down the pass game is a little bit of a struggle and, and we'll see, we'll see how they do. Now you did mention the run game and I want to mention that as well. Now, Last year, of course, it was uh, our guy out of Florida that was running the football for the Texans. Yeah, this Pierce. year, yeah, Damian Pierce. This year, they've got free agent running back Devin Singletary that's kind of taken off the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had 112 yards against the Bengals and 150 against the Arizona Cardinals. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing well. I mean, uh, sorry, 150 against Cincinnati and 112 against Arizona. Let me, I got it backwards. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, He's kind of taken off and given them another dimension in the running game, and I know that wasn't a big thing against Jacksonville, yeah. uh, the first matchup. Does that kind of concern you that they've kind of figured out things in the running game to kind of make it a little bit harder to just hone in on C.J. Stroud? Maybe a, maybe a little bit, um, just because, you know, Dev, Devin Singletary, I think, is a pretty good back. He's nothing special necessarily. He's not the, the fastest guy. Uh, but, you know, he actually went to FAU, which is where I went. So, you know, I, I, got, I got to see him up close and personal for a couple of years when, when he was there. And, and uh, he's always been a really good one-cut kind of, you know, weave in and out uh, zone zone scheme. He's, he's, he's perfect. And I think that what they cater to is the zone blocking scheme, which, uh, which doesn't cater to what Damian Pierce's skill set is. So it's no, it's, it's no surprise to me that Singletary has a little bit more success and, and, that's the part that might give you a little pause um, for the Jaguars, but I think that the Jaguars run defense is just, it, it's, it's, it's good. It, it, you know, at, at this point in the season, you know, every single week, no, I think one team might've been the Steelers were able to rush for over a hundred yards on them. Um, you know, so it's, it's a talented run defense. And I do think too, there's something to the Texans playing the Cardinals and the Bengals the Bengals are not, very good run defense the Cardinals are not a very good run defense you know both games obviously they they took off so there's something to be said there um but you know I will say you know the the Texans offensive line is getting healthy Tunsil's back I believe Titus Howard's back um and I think they have one more guy that actually came back recently so you know these guys are getting healthier on the offensive line that's obviously going to be good for the run game Um, but it's not too big of a concern in my opinion I think that the Jags can get it done on the ground it's really just through the air where you just don't know Tyson Campbell is not going to be playing in this game. So, you know, you have that mm-hmm. concern. And, and I just think that that's something uh, that they're going to harp on more than potentially stopping Devin Singletary. Well, definitely that's a huge thing, Tyson Campbell mm-hmm. not being there. But um, one thing I did want to mention as well, it's a, it's a lineman. It was a, it was a center. I think a rookie center. I think he got, mm-hmm. he just got uh, taken off the, uh, his 21 day window, I should say, just got opened mm-hmm. up off of uh, injury reserve. So, yeah, yep. so that's the other guy that they're they're waiting on. But uh, I mean, it's amazing how they went from having a line last year that could not really do much in in the passing game and kind of struggled in the running game too. To now they're giving C.J. Stroud time, even though C.J. Stroud is getting pressured a lot. He's still mm-hmm. getting pressured a lot, but he's just not getting sacked a lot like Davis Mills was last year. 
But of course, you know, you could say some of that may be on Davis Mills too. But I digress. We're not going to talk about Davis Mills in this show. We are going to talk about the Texans defense, though. They are giving up 20.9 points per game. And I will say that they're they're kind of hovering around the same point they were in terms of the amount of sacks per year. They've got 25 so far. They've got they had like 39, I think, last year uh, for the season. So they're not necessarily get to the quarterback more. However, they are kind of affecting teams a little bit more. So what do you say just uh, what about about this defense making plays? You had Steven Jackson making a play last mm-hmm. week uh, uh, as well to kind of bat down the fourth down play. They got pressure on that play as well. So what do you mm-hmm. say just about this defense? It isn't like a defense that just stands out, but it's a defense that just makes plays at the right time is what I'm kind of gathering and looking at. Yeah, just just looking at it, I mean, it seems like they're just a very fundamentally sound defense. And and D'Amico Ryan's obviously being there is 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 the reason, in my opinion, or part of the reason. You know, they have some really good players too. Um, Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, that duo, you know, separately – Perhaps, you know, you're like, eh, they're okay. But together, they're actually really a really good duo. And I think that that's part of the reason why they're, they've had so much success. And I know that they haven't gotten necessarily all of the sacks that you would want to see. But, you know, they, they both have impacted the quarterback enough. And even during the Jaguar game, they impacted Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if Grenard played. I know Will Anderson impacted Trevor Lawrence, um, which – that that's that's what you're a little bit worried about and you know their linebackers are good i know that um i'm blanking on all these names today but one of their linebackers is out um this coming game and and i know that jimmy ward their safety is going to be potentially out so you know that that's a plus for the jaguars you know because those are two of the players that are really um sort of the heart of that texans defense it feels like but you know yeah you have guys like um Derek Stingley on the outside playing, playing like he is. So that allows the pass rush to sort of get home. And that, that, that allows the, the, the defense to pause a quarterback just a tick longer, um, which is something that the Jaguars have struggled with. You know, when you pause Trevor Lawrence, it's not necessarily him, but when you pause the Jaguars passing offense for just a tick, you know, things get off schedule. Things are not going the right way. He gets sacked, he fumbles or whatever the case may be. So yeah, this is a tough defense to play against. Um, same defense that they played against against the 49ers, which is why you're kind of like, eh, how are they going to perform? Because it seems like this defense or this offense struggles against that kind of defense. You know, they struggled. And I know that it was a windy, weird, wet game last year against the Jets, but they struggled against that that team too. And so, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a, a tough matchup for the Jags. Um, but, but, I, but I really do think that they've changed since week three and – uh, the Texans defense might have improved a little bit, but I, I still think that they're the younger, less experienced team, which is why where you can find a, kind of find the holes in it. Gotcha, gotcha. It'll definitely be interesting just to see how that matchup uh, it comes about. You know, a lot of people thought it was going to be the Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans in this division to start off the season. However, the Texans have proved to us otherwise. So yeah, and it's going to be interesting. Just, just one thing real quick I want to say you know in the Jags and the Texans have played 43 times I believe in their their lifetime um, and none of the games have been you know winning record the Jaguars have a winning record Texans have a have a winning record this late in the season uh, so this is the most important Jaguars and Texans matchup that has ever happened um, so it's really interesting from that perspective I think that it's going to be a fantastic game yeah, it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun I'm pretty sure that uh Paul Wall and uh, Bun B, they'll all probably be at the game more than likely. <laughs> so 
we shall see but uh of course uh we got uh wrapping up that talk with the texans and the jaguars game but that isn't the end of the show we have a game it's five questions two answers and one choice demetrius harvey are you ready i'm ready all right first question what surprised you most ridley not leading the team in receiving or christian kirk leading the team in receiving oh uh interesting uh i'll say what surprised me most was i guess ridley not leading the team in and receiving. I thought that maybe, you know, he would take off a little bit more, uh, not not necessarily knock off too much of Christian's targets, but I thought that he would demand a lot more and, and sort of um, become that number one receiver that, you know, you look at the stats, Ridley's at the top. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm more surprised by Calvin not being uh, where he where I thought he might have been. Gotcha. It's, it's more like they have uh, a 1A and 1B or a mm-hmm. Or a two A two B, depending on how they, people want to look at it. So it's kind of yeah. kind of depends on. It kind of looks like that's what they have currently right now. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, you're co-hosting a show. Who are you taking as your co-host? Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless? Oh, Stephen A. One hundred percent. And I I don't know why <laughs> a lot of people don't like him, and I don't know why, but he's hilarious to me. I, I love watching Stephen A. Um, Skip Bayless annoys me a little bit too much, and so yeah, that's a, that's an easy one for me. Well, if I was to ask this question and not give anybody, I would probably say for me, you got to give me Bomani Jones, or you got to mm. give me, uh, oh. or you can give me, uh, you might be able to give me Richard Sherman too. Give me Bomani mm. Jones or Richard Sherman. I, I would probably take one of those too. Or I'm sorry, or Dominic Foxworth. Got to put Dominic Foxworth in there. It's good. So, yeah. All right. So going to the next one. What has surprised you more, the Texans in their play or the Titans in their play? Uh, probably the Texans. I didn't expect them to come out firing like they are six and four. It's incredible for such a young team that just looked hopeless, honestly, last year. Uh, I, I thought it would take D'Amico a lot longer to get here. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought that they would be struggling. And then the Titans, I, you can kind of see it last year. It was trending in that direction the entire second half of the season. Um, and there was just no way, in my opinion, that they could, you know, keep repeating the same performances they had. But previous years, because the games changed so much, the players are gone. You know, from Tennessee, Tannehill's declined. Um, the only thing you had was really Derrick Henry to sort of hold it all together. And so, uh, I'm not surprised by the Titans this year. All right, let's see. You have one concert to attend. Are you going to attend the Ti concert, or are you going to attend the Jeezy concert? Which concert are you going to? Oh man, I think I'm going to do the. I'm going to come. Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ti. I love both of them growing up. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go with Ti. I'm gonna go with Ti. I, I just I think that I would I think I would have more fun. But then Jeezy, yeah, I'm just gonna go with Ti. I don't know. It, it's it, that that's a tough one. That was a good question. Nah. Hey, well, since you wanna uh, since you wanted to go to Ti, man, I'll take Jeezy. That throw motivation one on one with uh mm. production with Manny Fresh. Yeah, I'm gonna take that one on that one. Mm-hmm. And then what? I just say that all the time. This song came on. But anyway, uh, the last one we got, uh, Theme Park or Beach, what's the best way to spend an off day for you? Ooh, God. I love theme parks, but, I mean, there's nothing better than the beach. Just relax, and you don't have to you don't have to walk, like, five miles in one day in, and, and like, four hours. Um, so, yeah, I think that – I think the beach would probably be my ideal time. If I want to have the most fun, probably a theme park, but if I'm trying to just have an off day, the beach for sure, 100%. 
Yeah, I've been to, let's see, I've been to Universal Studios down there, been to SeaWorld, and I've been to uh, Disney World. So I've been yeah. to all of them down there. So, They're fun. Yeah, I, I, I will say I did like going to uh, Universal Studios. I did the Back to the Future ride. The funniest uh, thing about that entire thing is is when you go up, but you know, you, they rise you up or whatever. Mm -hmm. The funniest thing about that entire thing is when you're looking at the screen, but when you look off to your left or right, you, you yeah. notice that, hold up, everybody else is right here with me. You look over, because if, if you're focused on the screen, you never notice that there's like other cars or other people on the ride that are mm -hmm. in a different car right beside you with a screen. So it really yeah. doesn't, it kind of takes away a little bit of the excitement of the ride, basically. The immersion is gone, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But five questions, two answers, one choice is all wrapped up. Thank you for coming on, Mr. Demetrius Harvey. If you can, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what all things you are working on next. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I appreciate being on as always. And, um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Demetrius82. Um, you know, I'm working on the just previewing the Jags and and, and, and what's going to happen for this game. There's a couple of interesting quotes that are coming out in the next day or two about them and, and sort of what this game means and things like that. I think that it's going to be a fun game. Um, and then obviously getting ready for the Monday nighter uh, the, the next week, which is going to be interesting to see what, what happens in that one. So yeah, just coverage, uh, you know, every day there's going to be something jacksonville.com. If you guys want to read more about the Jaguars um, or Demetrius 82 on Twitter. Now I do have to ask this as well. And I, I didn't get into this. <laughs> Who was the person that asked the question like five minutes afterwards was the same question as they asked earlier. Who, what happened there, man? Now, now for those that don't know, at the press conference in, in Jacksonville, uh, Doug Peterson got a question, and then like four minutes later, he got the same question about the same thing that he yeah. just kind of had a little bit of a tiff about with another reporter. So can you kind of break down what happened there? Yeah, yeah, I'll break it all down because I was involved in that. So I, I asked oh, I asked this – yeah, so I asked the first question, which was, hey, you know – all right, let, let me preface this a little bit. The NFL sent out a memo or communications, whatever, they emailed to everybody who signed up for this, um, that, you know, here are all 32 teams' um, Art Rooney sportsmanship honor, you know, um, nominees. And the Jaguars had Christian Kirk listed in there. And I saw this mid-press conference. So, so like, imagine this. I have my laptop in front of me. Doug is talking. I see this mid-press conference. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll just ask Doug, hey, you know, what, is, what does it mean for Christian to be nominated? Why should he be nominated? Things like that. So I started asking it. And I was like, why should Christian be nominated? Blah, blah, blah. The PR guy is like, we nominated Foyer. And I'm like, what? Because the NFL sent out that they nominated Christian Kirk. Uh, sure enough, the Jaguars did nominate Foyer, so I was like, okay, well, now that Foyer is nominated, um, you know, what, what, what's going on there? Why is he good? Blah, blah, blah. So it was on the NFL, really. I mean, you can kind of put some blame on me, I guess, if you want to, but they sent it out, and then they sent out a new revised one, like, a couple minutes later. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, I got God, I guess. Um, but anyway, it was actually more of my colleagues, uh, Gary Smith, who also works at the TU, who <laughs> a few questions later asked the exact same question, and the worst part was that he asked it about Christian because he also saw the Christian Kirk one. Um, <laughs> so that's why you see Doug doing the facepalm and why it was kind of like a big hoo-ha and everybody was like, ah, what's going on? Um, definitely a sloppy day in the Jaguars media core that day. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's why you saw the weirdness and, and the confusion and all that stuff. And to and 
Smith, he, he admits it. He was not paying attention. It just is what it is. I mean, um, got to pay attention in press conferences, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I was involved in that one. So, so it hits close to home. But, you know, I, I feel like I, I came out, you know, as the winner because of him. So. There we go. There we go, man. I had to ask because I was like, uh, yeah. I was like, I thought that was you, but I wasn't mm-hmm. for sure because you know you can't really, you know, I was listening, but you know, I'm, I'm yeah. doing a couple other things at the same time, so I was just trying to make sure. But yeah, that was uh, that was definitely because people were talking about that, and I was like, well, what happened? I went back and yeah. But anyway, uh, thank you again for coming on. Of course, if you want to find me on the artist formerly known as Twitter, you can find me at Mike Patton eighty two. That's M I K E P A W T O N eighty two. Of course, you can find me on Instagram and threads at the, that's T-H-A, not T-H-E, underscore general, underscore M-P. Of course, Torn the AFC South, you can find it on YouTube, find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we are there. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Torn the AFC South uh, with your host, Mike Patton, guest Demetrius Harvey. We're out. Peace.